Man, I'm so glad that we decided to, to meet today. Uh, you know, sometimes as a pastor, someone who's getting ready to come speak, it's hard to, to worship, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to prepare to speak. And, um, but man, I really needed that moment of worship just now. I don't know if you paid attention to the words of that song, but how incredible. Man, we have a God who is, is the same, whether we're on the mountain or whether the mountain's in the way. And so, man, I'm, just, I'm glad you're here. Um, we've been in the series um, for the last few weeks, the standalone sermon series, uh, kind of extending it this, to this week because this is another standalone sermon. Uh, we've had some of the men in our church preaching over the last few weeks, and it's been great. I know they're probably going to be like, see, when you get up to preach, nobody shows up. Um, and I'm like, it's, it's COVID, right? I think it's because of COVID. That's what I'm going to tell myself. <laughs> uh, you know, the Lord uses different means to, to put something on my heart that I feel like he wants me to share or communicate with our church. Uh, it's usually something that he's working through my own heart uh, in some way. And this particular passage we're going to look at today came up a couple weeks ago as I was kind of going through my email and reading some of the different things. It was it's Exodus chapter 33. You can start turning there. We'll be there in a few minutes. We'll be there this morning. Uh, it's a passage that I love in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. It involves a man named Moses who, if you're familiar with the story of Moses, man, he's a, he's a, a man that I, I, I love his story. I think his story is, in, is so incredible because of the way that God used him. And, uh, you know, just considering this weekend, um, you know, we're, we're coming off a trip to Ohio this last week, and so we pull in on Friday, and I'm feeling like the travel lag of just driving all day, and, and we're finding out about people in our church who are, uh, you know, tested positive for COVID, and we're trying to figure out what to do with this. And I don't think we've had this kind of decision-making process since, you know, last March when I was on a cruise, on vacation. This always happens when we're out of town. Um, but we decided, you know, we're making these decisions. Do we do online only? Do we meet in person? Um, and, and I had this, this, this sermon kind of, it was percolating in my heart. And my plan was, and this was ridiculous for me, I, I planned on preparing the sermon the week before we left to go to Ohio, and it just didn't happen. And so, I, you know, I'm letting this, like, percolate in my heart, and I was planning on coming back tomorrow and kind of just putting it on paper and speaking today. And I was just wiped out yesterday, and we're trying to make these decisions. And so I do have a confession to make. Um, I didn't put a lot of prep into this. It's been in my heart. Um, you know, uh, this isn't going to be super polished or prepared. Uh, but what I kind of realized, and this is a confession here, is when I thought about this passage, the, like, the weight and the magnitude, how incredible this passage is, in my mind, and, and I'm just the confession of a pastor here, in my mind I thought, man, I don't want to waste this, this sermon, you know, if nobody's going to hear it. And, and this is just one of the things I wrestle with, this is the frailty of a, a, a human man. Um, but then, I, you know, as I, as I pondered, what I realized was, I need this word as much as anybody. And maybe this is, maybe this is just for me, uh, I feel like I spent more time just like letting this speak to me than, than maybe I prepared to polish this off for you to hear. Um, but maybe there's one other person in this, this room now or at 1045 or online that needs this as much as, as, as I do. And so 
uh, I don't think it's, it's going to be a waste at all. And so we're just going to kind of walk through this incredible story in the Bible. I want to share a few kind of raw thoughts and takeaways as we've walked through it. I'm calling this sermon Two Prayers and One Stake in the Ground. Two Prayers and One Stake in the Ground. And this is based off of Again, Moses and this conversation that he had with God. Uh, you know, Moses was so greatly used by God. And, and we hear all about him throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, all throughout Scripture. And I think this story, this conversation between him and God shows us why Moses was so greatly used of God. And as, as I was thinking about this, and I was, as I was thinking about Moses' life, the thought that came to mind was, man, when it comes to, to me and, and my life, I just want to be used by God. I just want to be used by God. Like, I have no desire to just make it through life as comfortable as could be. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to just kind of make it to the end and be like, wow, I, was, I had a successful life and I was happy. You know, I had the house and two and a half kids and all the stuff, the American dream. Uh, no, I, I and all that stuff's good, but man, I want my life to be used for God. Like, I want to have maximum impact for the kingdom of God in this world, for God to squeeze every ounce of, of, of potential out of me for the glory of his kingdom. Like, man, I want to be used by God in this life. And so when I look at the story of Moses and I, when I look at the, the long-ranging like, impact of his life, and I look at this conversation, I go, man, I want these two prayers and this one stake in the ground to shape my life, the way that I think it shaped Moses' life and the way that God was able to use him. And so I want to invite you to, to look at Exodus 33. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage. Uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here on this front end just giving some, some context because I think it's so important, again, as we read the scriptures and especially as we consider this story. And so let me start in Exodus 33. Verse number one, this is in the Old Testament, second book of the Bible. We got Genesis and then Exodus. And we see in Exodus 33, verse one, it says, the Lord said to Moses. Okay, so there's this conversation here. And I want to point this out that God and, and Moses, they had this, this really special, unique relationship that we see developed throughout the book of, of Exodus, all right, so from the very start, there's this conversation between the Lord and Moses. And, and, and I want to kind of just walk back through this. And these, if you have your Bible out, you can flip back to some of this. This won't be on the screens for you. But I just want to kind of walk back through a little bit uh, so you have an understanding of, 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 of who Moses is and this conversation, like where it comes from. So in the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that God's people, the, the nation of Israel, they're in bondage. They're in slavery in Egypt. And God hears their cries and, and delivers them and he uses Moses. He calls to Moses and he says, Moses, you're going to be my deliverer. You're going to go into to Egypt, to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and you're going to declare to him, hey, the Lord has said, let my people go. And, and so God uses Moses to bring the people out uh, of Egypt in a very miraculous way. If you look back at Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to flip there here what you see is this, this relationship between 
Moses and the Lord. The, the Lord uses Moses to deliver his people. He's a spokesperson. And, and, and what you see in Exodus chapter 19, God speaks to Moses like he's never spoken to anyone else. In, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, what you see here is it says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And what they're, they're at this mountain, Mount Sinai, at this point in time, God has brought them to this, the base, this base camp at, at Mount Sinai. And the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Okay, it's kind of like when a South Carolina storm rolls in, I'm like, we're all going to die, okay? I didn't know there was rain and storms like that here. It was supposed to not rain a lot here, but um, they're afraid. They're like, what is going to happen here? We're trembling. And so it says, says the, the Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And all the people are like, hmm, sucker, <laughs> he's calling you up. He's going to deal with you, son. And the Lord said to Moses, no, he, he just wanted to meet with Moses. He says, go down and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told him. And the reason I'm sharing this is because we see from this very start, like God has this relationship with Moses, that he speaks to Moses. But he tells him, hey, set this boundary around the mountain. Like the people can't come that close because, man, it'll, it'll, my presence will burn them up. And so we see from the very start, there's this, this weightiness to approaching God. And I was just reminded of that as I read this, that like, you know, we come to church and it's easy to just kind of stroll in and even wake up in the morning and go, should I go to church today? Should I not? Should I worship? Should I not? But there's this weightiness to, to approaching God. It's not something to be taken lightly. And, and, you, and you see, as you work into Exodus 20, a lot of us are familiar with Exodus 20 because God gives Moses the, the Ten Commandments and then he follows it up with, with more laws. But when you look at the beginning of Exodus 20, and so we're, in our minds, and, and sometimes the world will talk about this judgmental, like wrath, you know, filled God. But, and it seems like it when God is like, hey, be careful how close you get because I'll, I'll, I'll burn you up if you come too close. But then we see more of the heart of God, Exodus 20, verse 1. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. He's a personal God. And he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he begins to work through, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. And then he works through this. But, but what I want you to see here is, 
the weight of approaching God, and yet he's a, a personal God. He's a redeemer God. And, and if you drop down, I'm going to go back in Exodus 20 here, verse number 18, after he gives the Ten Commandments. It says, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Don't, don't let God talk to us. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And so God used, he, he spoke to Moses and he used Moses and he had these up close conversations and God's desire for his people was that they wouldn't sin. And so he, he did this to protect them. But I, I want you to notice like the order of this, this whole conversation. There's redemption. I'm, I'm the one that redeemed you. There's relationship. And then there's commandments. All right, sometimes we think of like, okay, God says, do this, do this, do that. There's redemption. He redeems us. He frees us from our bondage and from our slavery to sin. And then there's this relationship. I'm your God. You're my people. And then he lays out some commands. He lays out some instructions. Make sure you follow that order. Okay, it doesn't go commands. And then I'll redeem you. Do this and then I'll save you. Do this and then I'll rescue you. No, he rescues us. He saves us. And then he says, here's the best way to live. So Moses, you know, through this story as we work through Exodus, and we'll, we'll go to Exodus 33, our, our passage. Moses stays up on the mountain. He ends up being up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's coming back and forth. But then he receives this instruction from God. He gives, God gives him these tabernacle blueprints because God's desire is to meet with his people, you know, and, and what happens in the meantime is, as Moses is up on the mountain, okay, Moses is in this conversation with God and the people down below, they're like waiting at the base of the mountain. They're like, okay, what's going on up there? Moses, what's God saying to you? And they begin to wonder, they grow impatient. They're like, man, is he ever coming back? I think he went up there and God must have burned him up because we've been waiting for a long time and he's not coming down. And so they, they call to Moses or to Aaron and they say, Hey, Aaron, I don't think dude's coming back. I don't think Mo is, is returning. So would you make us some gods that, that we, can, we can worship? And so Aaron goes ahead and does this. And this is what we call idolatry, worshiping something other than God. And so God gets angry. God wants to consume his people. But Moses, okay, Moses in this conversation, he, he implores God, hey, relent. He calls on the character of God. Like, don't do this, Lord. And he, he begs and he pleads and he intercedes for God's people and God restrains himself. And so this is where we are in Exodus chapter 33. This conversation Moses and, and, and the Lord are having. Verse number one again, Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring will I give it. So we see this God of, of redemption. He's the one that's brought him out. He's this God of, of covenant. 
He refers back to this covenant that he he established back in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham and his offspring. He said, I want to bless you so you would be a blessing to all the nations that through you and through your family line, I'm going to bless all of the nations. He's a God of redemption and a, a God of covenant. Verse number two, he says, I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the the Hivites and the Jebusites go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. And I want you to pay attention to this. God, he's a God of mission. He says, I'm sending you. I want you to go. I'm going to send an angel to go before you. I want you to go into this promised land that's flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Pay attention to this. Lest I consume you on the way. Why? Because you are stiff-necked people. He's a God of mission. He says, I want to send you. I want you to go into this land that I've prepared for you, that I've promised you. And I'm going to send an angel before you. But I am not going to go with you. Because you all are stubborn. And you are sinful. And if I go with you, I may just destroy you. And so I'm not going to go with you. So so pay attention. That's an important key phrase here. Verse number four. Here's here's the response of the people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. And no one put on on his ornaments. And when I speak of ornaments, okay, it's not like they're wearing like Christmas tree ornaments. All right. These are like these these idols and these, these, these things they've created to kind of worship. Nobody put those on. It says, for the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Oreb onward. And so what we see is how seriously God takes sin. He says, if you come into my presence with your stubbornness and your sinfulness and your ornaments, your idols... Man, if for a single moment, I'll consume you. And so God in his grace says, I'm not going to go with you, but I'm going to send you. And then I want you to see this, 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 Moses begins to talk of this tent of meeting. I'm just going to read through this verse seven. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord, I mean, I love this. Pay attention to this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So God's desire all along, he wants to reveal himself to his people. He wants to meet with his people. Now, we're coming into this path, the part of the passage I really want us to focus on for the next few minutes. And this is where we see Moses' two prayers and his one stake in the ground. 
So verse number 12, here we go. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, God, if I found favor in your sight, here's prayer number one. Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. So here's this very first prayer. He says, God, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways so that I can know you. Show me your ways that I may know you. God, you've said that you know me by name, but I want to know you. I know you know everything about me, but God, I want to know you. That's his very first prayer. Show me now your ways that I may know you. And we'll we'll come back to that in in a couple minutes. Verse number 15 and 16. And this this is kind of Moses, what I call a stake in the ground. You know what I mean when I use that phrase? Like I'm, I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground right here. This is like, I'm going to stand my ground. I want to claim this place. I'm determined. I'm not moving from this. I own this. This is, this is his stake in the ground. This is what Moses says right here. Verse number 14. Here's what God says. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Remember what God had said earlier? He said, I'm going to send in my angel to go before you. But guess what, y'all? I'm not going with you. Here's what God says now. Moses says, you haven't told me who's going with me. You haven't told me. God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15, Moses said to him, if your presence, listen, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Here is his stake in the ground. He says, Lord, if you won't go with me, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me. I'm not going to go unless you Go with me. This is my stake in the ground. An angel going before me. Hey, that's great. I need your instruction. But God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'm only going where you go. God, this is his stake in the ground. And he says, what is it that makes us distinct? What is it that sets us apart from every other person, every other people group on the planet? Is it not your going with us? Isn't the thing that sets us apart the fact that you and your presence, you are with us? That is the thing that makes us different than every other people on the planet. It's your presence that sets us apart. And then verse 17, let's, let's move along here. That's a stake in the ground. Verse 17. And so the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. 
for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Verse number 18, here's prayer number two. And these kind of all come rapid fire, but he says this brief statement, but it's so packed. He says in verse 18, Moses said, please, again, another prayer, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And when you look at that word in, in the, the Hebrew, the original language, and the word I always think of when I think of the word glory, it's the word weight. Like there's this weightiness to the glory of, of, of God. It's like for me when I see the oceans or when I see the mountains, when I see these grand majestic parts of God's creation, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. It's, it's, they're weighty. This is the glory of God. He says, please show me your, your weightiness, your glory. I want to see your glory. And God responds to him. Verse number 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses, he says, Please show me your glory. And you know what God's response is to Moses? Moses is like, you can't, or God is like, you can't handle my glory, all right? And this is Jack Nicholson back in, um, what's the movie? A Few Good Men, thank you. You can't handle, this is like God on the stand, you can't handle my glory, but I'll give you a little glimpse. I'll give you a glimpse of my backside. I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to pass by with all of my glory and all of my goodness, and I'll let you get a little glimpse of me as I pass by. There, there's a quote I want to read from you. Highwell Jones put it this way, Moses is to see the afterglow, which is a reliable indication of what the full splendor is to be. He, he's just going to get a glimpse of God passing by. That's all he can handle, God says. And so there's this incredible conversation that, that Moses has with with the Lord, and, and there's these few quick passing statements, but I, I just want to share with you a few takeaways for me, a few just thoughts that I had as I kind of read through this and um, reflected and pondered and let the Lord speak to me through these, these, these two prayers and this one stake in the ground. You know, when you look at Moses, Mo, what made Moses great was not his humility. Okay, if you know the story of Moses, when, when God first called Moses, he said, I'm going to use you. You're going to be my spokesperson. You're going to be the deliverer of my people. And I don't know if you remember Moses' response to God. Moses was like, me? Are you sure I'm the man for the job? Because I just, I'm not very eloquent. I don't speak real well. I don't speak real good, God. Are you sure you want to use me? And so there was a sense of humility. He understood, man, like I'm... I'm just this little, this little individual, and man, I've blown it so many times. Like, are you sure that? So there was this humility, yes. 
that's not what that's not what made him great. What made Moses great was not his leadership ability. You see, throughout the journey of of Israel, man, I'm looking at Moses. I'm like, he was a patient guy dealing with all the murmuring of God's people. I'm like, the murmuring of God's people during COVID has nothing on Egypt uh, or the people of Israel after coming out of Egypt. Like the murmuring that that Moses dealt with, his leadership ability was incredible as you, as you see him kind of learn on the, on the job, leading the people of God. But that's not what made Moses so great. What made Moses so great, I believe, was his desire to know God. We, we see it in this, this first prayer. God, please show me your ways that I may know you that I may know you. He had this desire to know God. And, and as I've considered my life, you know, I think about what are the things that are going to make me a great man? If I would just be humble, yeah, humility is something that God calls us to. Do I want to grow in my leadership? Absolutely. But as great as those things are, the things that's going to make me a great man it's my desire, my willingness to know God. My willingness to know God. And you, you know how you get to know God is you watch his ways. You watch how he works. You watch how he operates. You know the way you get to know somebody in your life? Think about this. The way you really get to know somebody is you just watch Watch them live. Watch the way they respond to stuff. Watch the way that they respond to difficulty. Watch the way that they, they deal with other people. Watch the way they deal with success. Watch the way they deal with, with, with failure. And this is why you don't rush into relationships. This is why you take time. This is why in the church he says, be careful who you put in leadership. Watch the life of somebody. Show me your ways, and, and, and I'll get to know who you really are, your real character. And so Moses, he says, God, show me your ways. Show me your ways, because I want to know you. I want to know you. And so we ask God to show him, show him how he operates, show him how he functions, and, and the way that we can watch God's ways. I mean, we have, we have a whole book full of, like the way that God operates, the things that God does. That's why the scriptures are so important because we can, we can watch his ways throughout history and throughout time and we, we can see how God deals with people. And so someone who is an unbeliever would, would think, man, this is a God of wrath and vengeance that kills and judges and that, that is an aspect of God because he deals with sin. But if you look at the way that God functions and operates throughout history, he is a loving God who redeems and restores and forgives. In fact, in chapter 34, he, he describes himself as being gracious and merciful and slow to anger. So Moses said, show me your ways What's going to make me a great man is my willingness to, to know God. And we see this in the life of people in, throughout Scripture. I'm going, to, I'm going to move past this. But what's going to make me a great man is my willingness to know God. And so my question for you, my question for me is how willing are we to know God? 
Like, are we, are we willing to endure suffering if it means we're going to know God more and become more like Christ? Are we willing to search his word? Are we willing to endure and persevere through difficult things if it means we're going to know God more? How willing are we to know God? This was Moses' prayer. Please show me your ways so that I may know you. Here's a, a second thing that's a takeaway for me. The thing that's going to keep me going is an insatiable desire. Say that word three times fast. An insatiable desire to be a witness of God's glory. The thing that's going to keep me going. Okay, I don't know about you and I don't know about where you're at in your life or where you've been over this last season or maybe what's ahead for you. I know there's times where I want to give up. I want to, I want to quit or I just want to take a really, really long nap, okay, which is where I currently am. I'm straight asleep, y'all. The thing that's going to keep me going in my life and through the, the, the mountaintops and the valleys and all these things, the thing that's going to keep me going is this insatiable desire. You know what that means? It means it's like this unquenchable, this desire that just doesn't stop, that doesn't let up, this desire to be a witness of, of God's glory. Moses, he prayed, and this was such a simple, short little prayer, but he's like, please, God, show me your glory. And think about the life of Moses. I mean, think about his entire life and how like he sinned, he was a murderer, and then he retreated to the desert, spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, and then God appears to him through a what? You remember? He spoke to him through a burning bush. He like witnesses like God, the voice of God talking to him through a fiery piece of shrubbery. All right, think about this. It was so intense that he threw his shoes off and fell on his face before God. God called him to deliver his people. And so he goes to the most powerful king in the world, Pharaoh, as a messenger of God and says, hey, let God's people go. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to do it. So God uses Moses to perform these, these miracles, these miraculous plagues and God rescues and redeems his people. And you remember how he delivered them? He delivered them through the what? Anybody remember? The Red Sea. Y'all remember that? When God's people came up to this obstacle, the army of Egypt bearing down on them and the Red Sea in front of them, and there was no hope unless God delivered them. And so God parts the Red Sea and delivers them on dry ground. All right, think about that. And, then Mo, and just all, all of the, the things that, that, that Moses experienced, like God feeding his people bread from heaven and he, he gives them water out of a rock and all of these miraculous things, like one after the other after the other. And Moses witnesses all this and God uses him for all these things. And here is Moses saying, God, please show me your glory Unfortunately, all those other things wasn't enough, right? Like, God, I haven't seen your glory yet. Please reveal yourself to me. Show me your glory. It wasn't enough for him. 
He wanted more. He wanted to see more of God's power and more of God's goodness. God, please show me your glory. Hadn't he seen enough? No. He wanted more and more and more. And y'all, the thing that's going to keep me going, the thing that's going to keep us going through the valleys and over the mountaintops and to the very end, it's not our strength and it's not our positive attitude. No, it's, it's developing this insatiable desire to see God's glory. To God, for, for us to see God do amazing things, for God to transform people's lives, for God to come through in our life and show us how good and strong and loving and capable he is. The thing that's going to keep us going when it, it seems like the mountain is in the way is this desire for us to see God clear the mountain out of the way, for him to part the Red Sea and walk us through on dry land. Those are the things, that desire to see his glory. That's the thing that's going to keep you and me going. And so my question is, is this, how consumed am I with God's glory? How consumed are you with God's glory? Because to be honest, it's, it's, it's more natural for every single one of us to be easily, every day consumed with my glory and how I look and how I come off to people. But Moses said, man, God, show me your glory. The thing that's going to keep me going is an insatiable desire to be a witness of God's glory. I need to be reminded of that. That's a, that, that's a, 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 a prayer of Moses. It's a prayer for us. It, here's a third and final thing. If there's anything I truly need, it's God's presence. And these, again, these all kind of overlap. But if there's anything I truly need in my life, and think about all the things that you, you feel like you need and that we all need. If there's anything that I truly need, it's God's presence. Have you all ever been in a situation where, I don't know, maybe you're invited to an event or there's something going on where you're, where you're, you're trying to figure out who else is going, and you're like, hey, are you going? No? Okay. If you're not going, I'm not going. Okay, I'm speaking as an introvert. I'm like, oh, you're not going, I'm not going. Okay, whatever. No, we kind of follow the crowd, or we tend to like, okay. This is on an extreme scale where Moses just says, God, if you're not going, okay, send an angel ahead of me. That's awesome. Okay, how many of you would like turn down an offer for God to send an angel before you? I'd be like, hallelujah, please, I need it. Send that angel before me. Okay, God, give me your instructions. Tell me what to do. I need your clear, like, just write it down for me. Put it down on a tablet of stone if you had, give me your instructions. I need it. Um, but here's what Moses said. An angel is great. Your instructions, you're like written literally in black and, maybe not black and white on a stone tablet. Your written instructions Incredible, great. No, his stake in the ground was this. If you don't go with me, if you personally are not with me, I don't want to go. Please, please, please don't send me. I need you with me. I need you with me. If there's anything I truly need, it's God's presence. Lord, 
Send me wherever you want. Lead me wherever you will. But I'm not going unless you go with me. I'm not going, God, unless you go with me. And so the question is, is, like, is there any other stake in the ground? Like some of us put our stake in the ground or we're like defiant or adamant about certain things in our life. Like I will not do this or I will not, you know, I will not fill in the blank. There's any number of things that we could say in 2021. Is there anything that we dig our heels into the ground about more than God's presence in our lives? It's easy to say, well, I am, I am not going to go out into public or I am not going to put on a mask or there's any number of things that we can say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to dig in my heels or I'm not going to, any number of things that we dig our heels into the ground about. But if there's anything that we need, y'all, it's God's presence with us. God, send me where you, where you, wherever you want. Lead me however you will, but I will not go unless you go with me. I need you. I need your presence with me. If, if I get to have, if I get to put, choose one thing in my life that I'm going to put a stake in the ground about, that I'm not moving off of, this has got to be the one, right? This has got to be the one thing that God, unless you're with me, I'm, count me out. I don't want to go unless your presence is, is with me. So those are, those are my three takeaways. What will make me a great man is my willingness to know God the thing that's going to keep me going. It's this insatiable desire to be a witness of, of God's glory. Please, God, show me your glory. And if there's anything I truly need, it is God's presence. Out of all the prayers, out of all the things that God, that Moses could have said or requested of God, it was, these were, these were the things. And, and, and what you see as you move into Exodus 34 is, is God reveals himself. He reveals his, his glory to Moses, he proclaims to him who he is, that he's a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But he's a God who judges sin and he reveals himself to Moses. And, and you know what Moses does in Exodus 34? We won't look at it. You know what Moses does? He bows his head to the earth, it says, in worship. Why? It's because he has come into the presence of a God who is worthy of his, of his worship. He is a God who can be known. He is a God who wants to reveal himself. He is a God who gives us his presence. And Moses sees this. He, he sees it. He understands it. And because of this, man, he, he just he falls to the earth in worship of this God. And you all, I, I want to remind us today that this is the kind of God 
the God of the Bible, the God that we can know, the God that reveals himself to us, the God who promises to give us his presence. This is the one true God who loves us, who is available to us today. And he wants us to know him and he wants to show his glory to us and he wants to, he wants to be with us and all of these things. Aren't you so glad this morning? Amen. Let me pray for us as we just continue to worship this great God this morning. Father, thank you for this, this just glimpse into this conversation that, that Moses had with you on the mountaintop. God, I thank you so much that you would put this into your word, that you would allow us to just like eavesdrop into this conversation with this man that you use so greatly. God, and I believe it was because of his heart to know you, his his willingness to, to know you and his just insatiable desire to to see your glory like he just couldn't get enough of it he was never satisfied he just wanted to see you continue to reveal yourself and your glory and your goodness and your power over and over and over and over again and he put this stake in the ground. He said, God, unless you go with me, I'm not going to go. I don't want to go anywhere that you're not. And God, my prayer for my life and my prayer for your people here, God, I want this to be the desire of my heart. I want this to shape my life. And I want these prayers and this stake in the ground to be what shapes the life of our church, that we would be a people who would with our hearts and with our our minds and with our actions every single day our prayers would be please show me your ways so I can know you and please show me your glory and please don't send me anywhere that you're not going to go and God I just want to say thank you that all those things are possible because of the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> because of his work on our behalf that God the Father can be known you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus Christ and your presence goes with us through the Holy Spirit. God, thank you that we can know you and see your glory and have your presence with us everywhere we go. And so God, would we have the heart of Moses? May you use us greatly. Would you use our church greatly because of our desire to know you and to see your glory to be in your presence everywhere we go. God, we love you. You're a good God. You're gracious and merciful. And we worship you today like Moses of old. We bow our heads and our hearts to the earth in worship of you because you are most worthy of it. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.